Hey, I want to welcome everyone this weekend. So good to have you. I want to tell you what, man, we are excited to keep digging into our series, this new series we have, One at a Time. So just welcome everyone from all of our campuses, those of you who are watching online. So I want to start out with this question, how do you do when you lose something? I mean, what goes on inside of you? Are you someone who internalizes that? Do you like start lashing out at people? You got to help me find this. Does it make you kind of crazy? I have to be honest, for me, when I lose something, it does make me kind of crazy inside. Now, I have this simple philosophy. If you take something, put it back where you found it. And when I go look for that thing and it's not there, once again, I can just feel my temperature start to rise. I'm like, where is that? I feel anxious. Here's a question. Have you ever lost something really important? I remember losing my passport in Kenya six hours before I was supposed to board my international flight home after I'd been there for 14 days. I remember calling my wife, Sarah, and saying, hey, babe, you better pray because I might be in Kenya for a little while longer. She was not very happy with me. I can remember about 10 years ago going to speak at a camp uh, there in Colorado Springs. I was excited to be able to do it because I was with a lot of my student pastor buddies, and we got there in Colorado Springs. My flight was delayed, and I remember coming into the camp, and as I came into the camp, some of the guys were coming up from a trek they had just been on, and they said, Hutch, man, we went and summited this little peak. You've got to go check it out. It's unbelievable. I mean, the view is just spectacular. And so there were a few guys that had been delayed as well on flights, and I thought, <clears throat> let's go check this out. Let's go see if this is as good as they say. So we start heading up this trailhead, and as we're going, I remember noticing that, man, the path wasn't marked real well. But I just thought, you know, we'll figure it out. I mean, no big deal, right? It's not that far away. And so we keep trekking up, and eventually we get to the top, and Man, it's just like they promised. It delivered. It, it was incredible. The view was spectacular. And we hadn't been there but a minute, and some of the guys are going, okay, I'm ready to go. I'm like, man, we just got up here. This is incredible. You guys go ahead and go down. I'm going to stay up here for a little bit longer and just check this out. I just want to sit in this for a minute. And so I was up there just kind of having a moment, praying, looking at this incredible view, and if you have been in Colorado and you've ever went up on a mountain or just even been in Colorado out in the wilderness, you know that the sun goes down quickly. I mean, when it starts to kind of set, it goes down quicker than we experience here in Kansas. And I remember taking note of that and thinking, I better get off this and start heading down. And so I, I leave the summit and I start looking for the trailhead. I think I got it. I start driving down and all of a sudden the path begins to fade. And the brush gets denser, the, the trees begin to get a little bit tighter, and I'm thinking, ah, oh, wrong way. And so I head back up. I find my path again, move over, find the next, what I think is the trailhead, start digging in, start driving down the mountain, and sure enough, there we are again. The path starts to fade, and I'm like, wrong way. So I think, you know, I've got my phone. I'm just going to go up a little bit further, and I go up, and surely I'll have some reception. I pull it out. No reception. And so I have to go up a little further on the mountain. Now I'm about back to the summit, 
And I finally look at my phone, I have reception, and I think, I'm just going to call. Now, you would think that maybe I'd call a park ranger, but that would be admitting defeat. I'm for sure not calling the bozos back down at the camp because they're going to razz me the whole week. So who do I call? My wife, Sarah, back home in Wichita. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, if you have a man or a son or maybe a grandson, we don't always give great details when we go on trips. And I hadn't even told my wife where I was going other than in Colorado Springs. And so I call her and I start out with this. Honey, I'm lost. And I'm up on a mountain. I do know the name of the camp now. The guys told me. And so if you could just like Google this, get on a Google map, find the camp there in Colorado Springs. I think you can tell me where I'm at. And so Sarah, after she begins to share some very intense words with me, begins to dial up Google Maps and she starts zooming in Colorado Springs, the camp. And then she kind of says, I I think I found where you're at. And I want you to know this. There's good news and bad news. The good news is I think I know where you're at. The bad news is this. Don't go west. Because if you go west, there's nothing but national forests. They'll never find you. I mean, you are going to be there for days. And I'm like, man, the sun is setting. Honestly, I'm feeling a little anxious at this point. And so I kind of just uh, say a prayer. And then I remember what Bear Grylls taught me. You know, you guys remember Bear Grylls? Here's what Bear Grylls taught you. If you find a stream, you will find a road, you will find a way out. And so I start heading down what I think is the right trailhead. And once again, it's not. It starts to fade away the path, but I begin to listen. There's got to be a stream. And I keep pushing. I'm telling you what, man, I'm pushing through timber. And finally, after a while, I hear a stream. And I start heading for the stream. Man, I am bushwhacking. I'm going through every bush, every brush. I'm going over the biggest boulders. I'm like, I'm just going to find this stream. Well, I do find this stream. As Bear said, the stream does lead to a road, and I find my way back to camp. And who do you think I called when I got back to camp? My wife. I called Sarah, and Sarah began to talk to me about all the things that I did wrong. She began to tell me that I wasn't supposed to hike alone. I'm like, I know that. You know, she tells me, you don't have the right gear. Why were you up on that mountain? I know that too. The important thing is, I got out, right? Isn't that what's important? You know, I I got out. You know, here's the deal. It's one thing to lose something. It's another thing to be lost on a hike. But I have a question for you. How do you feel about lost people? I'm not talking about being physically lost, but being spiritually lost. Man, does it bother you to think about people who are out there who don't know how much God loves them, who don't know the plan that Jesus came to rescue them. I mean, does it keep you up at night? Do you have a prayer list? A list of people in your family, friends that you pray for on a regular basis because you know that they are lost. You know that Jesus hasn't rescued them and they're not living the very best version that they can live in life, the best version of themselves. You know, here's a better question. How do you think God feels about lost people? You know, I think we know the answer to that. I mean, God's heart beats for lost people. 
And God desires for everyone to come to know him, Scripture says. You know, here's the truth. There's a big gap between our heart and God's. And Jesus talks about this gap in Luke chapter 15. I want to encourage you, if you have a Pathway app, to open it up there. If you have your Bible, you can open it to Luke 15 or follow along here. I want to look at just these first couple verses here just to kind of set the stage. This is what Luke records. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Lord forbid. You know, here you have two groups of people. You, you have the group that is interested in what Jesus is saying. And, and then you have the group that wants to look like they're interested in what Jesus is saying. You know, in chapter 14, Jesus is getting ready to set up some stories. Some stories about sheep, some coins, and a shepherd, or excuse me, a lost son. And in this, as he's talking through this, before he gets in the stories, he says this, whoever has ears, let him hear. I can remember as a kid thinking, what a weird thing to say. You know, whoever has ears, let him hear. Of course, people with ears are hearing. Well, why would Jesus say that? But once again, Jesus is making a distinction here. He's really saying this. There are people that are willing to listen, and there are people that are pretending like they're listening. You know, the Pharisees, they like to show up and act like they were interested in what Jesus had to say. But you know what they were really doing? They were complaining. You know, I wanted to know what this word complaint really meant in the Greek, and so I went back and studied it this week. And the word complain here, the Pharisees, these spiritual leaders complaining, means to mutter. Now, we don't use the word mutter. What word do we use? Mumble. I mean, that's what these spiritual leaders are doing. They're mumbling under their breath because all these people are in their circle. That They're mumbling. They're beginning to complain that Jesus is associating with his people. You know, do you ever mumble in your home? Anybody ever got caught mumbling? Man, I'm telling you, when I get caught mumbling in my home, it is not good. My wife does not like it when I mumble under my breath. But we mumble because we're not willing to say what we really think. We want to do it more discreetly. We just want to show our displeasure. And this is what I think they're mumbling. Things like this. Man, I cannot believe that Jesus let Chris in. Now, Chris is such a pain to work with. I think there are moments things like this. I can't believe that Jesus let Sophie in here. Sophie's such a gossip. She's going to say everything, and it's going to be the wrong thing. It's not going to be what Jesus was really talking about. I can't believe that Jesus let Logan in here. I saw Logan drunk last week. How in the world could he be in this group? I mean, can you believe that Jesus would allow Matt to sit in our circle? To be a part of this? Didn't you hear that Matt is sleeping with his neighbor's wife? You know, these spiritual leaders, these Pharisees, they love to complain, to mumble, to talk under their breath about all these people that Jesus was letting in. And Jesus 
man, he invited everyone. You know, everyone was welcome, everyone always. I mean, that, that's just what Jesus was about. You know, Jesus loved to welcome interruptions. He, he was willing to be inconvenienced. I mean, th- these things were important to Jesus, but the Pharisees, man, they loved to keep their club tight. They wanted to control the membership. You know, really, they set the standard. And their standard was a double standard. I mean, the standard for the spiritual leaders of the day was look at us. Don't we look good? They they would say this, let's talk about other people's sinful ways, but let's not talk about our sinful ways. That's really what they were about. They're about controlling the club. And Jesus continues to shed light on their hearts on the way they presented themselves in the present day, in the culture they were in. He does it a few chapters later. I want you to look at this. This is what he says. Then Jesus told this story to some, look, who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. If someone's name pops up in your head, don't say it out loud. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed this prayer. I thank you, God. I thank you that I'm not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector, what did he do? He stood at a distance and he dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Man, before we go on, I just want to press pause for a moment. I want to press pause, and then I want all of us to ask the question, is there a little bit of Pharisee in me? You know, I think if we spend time just sitting in this for a moment, all of us would say yes. There's a little bit of Pharisee in all of us. We like to make ourselves look better than we really are. We think somehow this helps us. But really what Jesus is looking for is the willingness to associate with others regardless of where they're at in life. And it's our pride, it's our pride that keeps us from seeing others. You know, when we talk about everyone walking with someone here at Pathway Church, we're talking about knowing people. I mean, we really want to dig into their life, to know their history, to know their story, to to know their hurts, their hang-ups, no, we want to do this. This is so important for us as a church. And, and we're trying to do this so that people can know that we care about them and that we love them. That's what it means for us to walk with other people. You know, the spiritual leaders, the Pharisees, they weren't about this. And Jesus continues to show his heart for others. Luke records it earlier in his writings. He records it when Jesus actually stops at Matthew, the tax collector's booth. 
I mean, is, is he's taking collections that day. Jesus stops. And I want to tell you, Jesus stops because he has a plan. And the plan is this. He's not just going to introduce himself to Matthew. He's going to ask him to join the team. And you know what the rest of the disciples are doing? They're like, no, don't do it, Jesus. Don't ask that tax collector. Do you know what that's going to do to us? Our reputation, our standing? And Jesus is like, Matthew, man, come follow me. I have something so much better for you. Come be a part of what God is doing. And Matthew gets so excited about Jesus calling him that he leaves everything that day. And you know what he does? He sets up a party. He goes to all his tax collecting buddies and he says, man, I want you to know I met a guy who you've got to meet. Come to my home. And he sets up this VIP experience so all of these people, these notorious sinners so they can meet Jesus. I mean, you just look at these two hearts, the heart of the Pharisee, the spiritual leader, and the heart of Matthew. You know, and what were the Pharisees doing when Jesus was asking Matthew to be a part of his team? And they were, they were mumbling. They were talking under their breath. Again, the cool thing about Jesus is this. And maybe it's not so cool for some. Jesus can hear you when you're talking under your breath. Here's what he says. Look, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Jesus says, I have come to call not those that are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. So, so Jesus has come for the sinner. He's come to take that step relationally towards them. He's willing to serve the sinner. He wants to clear his calendar so people that are sinful, who think that they're on the outside, can now know, no, you're on the inside. I want to get to know you. Why? Why would Jesus do this? Because we can't lose touch, I believe, with God's heart to rescue people. I believe that's why Jesus would do this. And here's what I want you to know too, and I want to say this boldly today. We as a church will always welcome sinners. We as a church will always welcome people that are lost. That is God's plan for us, to, to welcome those that are lost, to welcome those that are far from God. God doesn't want us to lose touch with the fact that he has a heart for lost people. And hear me say this, you and I were one of those lost people. There was a time in our life that we were far from God. And now because of God's grace, because of his love, because of the mission of Jesus, we now get to celebrate and be a part of his family. God's heart is so unique you know, he describes his heart later as he tells this story. I, I want to read it to you. The heart of God is shown this way. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and to go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. And when he arrives... He will call his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. 
And Jesus tells this story, it's really a simple story. And it's followed by two others that have the same premise to it, the same truth, that that God's heart beats different than our heart. And and the thing about Jesus' story is it doesn't matter if you're young, if you're old, how much you do or don't know about the Bible, it just connects, doesn't it? I mean, everyone loves the shepherd. I mean, how, how can you not love this shepherd? I mean, the truth is being a shepherd was a difficult job. Sheep were dumb. You know, and when you were a shepherd, you were constantly trying to help them, to watch over them. I mean, they're nearsighted. They're out in the elements all day. They tend to wander off and, oh, look, there's a lost sheep again. And the shepherd's heart is to relentlessly search for the lost sheep. You know, here's the truth about a shepherd's role, his job. It was a one-at-a-time job. It didn't matter how many sheep you had because every one of them counted. Every one of them counted. But if you just look at it, I mean, if, if you're just a business leader or you're an accountant and you look at this, you just go, it doesn't make sense. I mean, the truth is this, if you have a hundred sheep and one of them is lost, you're going to risk the 99 to go find the one? It just doesn't even make sense from a profit margin standpoint. I mean, you're willing to have others wander off as you go and pursue this one, one percent of your margin is not going to mean that much. But see, God's economy is different. God cares about people. And we do here at Pathway Church too. You know, know, the truth is, this is why years ago we decided that we wouldn't just continue to grow the Westland campus. We just didn't want it to get bigger and bigger and increase our footprint and increase our programs. We decided that we wanted to plant churches around our city so that we would have an opportunity to get closer to lost people. And we have Valley Center now who sets up and tears down church every weekend. I mean, it's a difficult job to do that, to go into a venue, a school, and set up and tear down church, but they do it because here's the truth. Just one person matters. One lost person. You know, we begin to understand God's heart when we see that one person can be reached. One person that is lost can be found, can come to know the plan that God has for their life. This is why last week we asked you to write on these rocks. I mean, these names of people that God placed on your heart. So you can figure out, how can I engage with this person in a greater way? How can I look for opportunities to serve this friend or family member of mine? How can I care for them in a way? How how can I continue to put myself in a position to let them know, man, God's got a plan for you? You know, this is a part of Pathway Church. It's a part really of us trying to align our heart with God's heart. Man, I can tell you this, heaven's heart 
is aligned with God's heart. You know, heaven is really excited when a lost person is found. Listen to what Jesus says, kind of concluding the story here. He says, in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and who have, haven't strayed away. You know, here's the truth for us, and I think it's so important for us to get, we all were lost at one point. I hope we never get far from that truth. I hope it never like becomes something that becomes routine to us, like, yeah, I know I was lost and now I'm found, and isn't it great to be on God's team? Isn't it great to have a bunch of Jesus in your life? But I hope we will remember what life was like when we were broken, when we were desperate. And in that, it would continue to motivate us to reach out to people. And I want to tell you what, if you were lost and now you're found and you're part of the 99, I hope you understand your game plan. I mean, the game plan is to lead the cheering section, right? That's one of the things. I mean, God is calling us to lead the cheering section. And I hope that we'll be a people that every time we see God begin to work, we get excited inside. I hope that we cheer more for what happens at the game here in church than we do for the game that is after church, right? I I mean, can I hear you? I want to be excited. I want to be that kind of church. And I hope when someone like shares what God is doing in their life and even how he rescues them, we don't give the golf clap. Oh, that's great. Way to go, God. You're doing awesome, Jesus. I hope we cheer God on in our hearts, with our voices, because I've watched you all celebrate before outside church. I want to be a church that keeps celebrating in here. Not one that questions, is that really true? I mean, do they really feel that way? Or even worse, start thinking about what we're going to do outside of church. I hope that when God is releasing his power in someone's life, we are sitting on the edge of our seat wondering, what is God going to do? And it reminds me of my friend Andrew Hook, who attends our Westland campus. I got to know Andrew's story, and I want to just share it today because it's a story of God working. You see, Andrew had it all going for him. I mean, he had played basketball growing up, and he got a scholarship to attend and play basketball in college at Neosho Community. And as when he's playing there in college, he, he had a wreck. And as he had this uh, wreck, it brought on some pain that, man, was just very difficult to navigate through. And so the doctor prescribed Andrew some pills to help alleviate some of the pain. Here was the problem. When it was time to stop taking the pills, Andrew couldn't stop taking them. He wouldn't stop taking them. And as a result of that, Andrew battled addiction for like 15 years off and on. He just struggled with it. You know, those were dark days for Andrew. Dark days of battling and struggling through addiction. But God, in his mercy and love, did not relent. He kept pursuing Andrew. And one day, Andrew, through the nudging of the Holy Spirit, found himself at the Westland campus, and it was in a message 
that he finally was convicted of his need to give up this addiction. And he finally had hope that God could empower him to have freedom. And he surrendered his life and accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Isn't that awesome? I mean, that's something worth celebrating. God working. But here's the cool part. It's always what God does after the rescue. You know, and Andrew just shared with me a while back. He said, man, Hutch, I had this crazy thing happen to me, and I just want to tell you about it. You know, it was after Andrew and I had spent some time studying the Word of God and digging in and growing together. But he said, I just want to tell you what God is doing because it was just such a weird experience. I, I was out kayaking, and I know my buddy, this is what he does just to relieve stress. He said, I had a tough day. I was out there on the Arkansas, and I just wanted to be alone. And I pull my kayak out, and I'm draining it, and there's this girl standing next to me, and she says, hey, can I use your phone? He said, okay, you know, like everybody's got a phone. Why do you need my phone? So he gives her a phone. He says, you know, what do you need it for? She said, I, I need to call my dad. I have a flat tire. And everyone's like, hey, here, here's my phone. She starts talking to her dad, and he begins to walk up, walk up the bank to get up to look at her car. And when he sees it, he goes, hey, man, I, I can fix this flat. I mean, no problem. you got a spare. I'll, I'll go ahead and put your spare on. I can take care of this for you. And he does this for this girl as she's there talking to her dad. And eventually, you know, he gets it on. She begins to leave, thanks him. The next day, he gets his phone call. He gets his phone call from her dad, and her dad says, hey, um, can, can I pay you for helping my daughter out yesterday? And he says, sure, how much money do you have? You know, <laughs> he's a jokester. And he said, no, man, you don't need to pay me. I just, just gave me an opportunity to help her. I was glad to do it. And, and her dad said this. He said, you know what? I'm so glad to know there's still good guys around. And then as they kept talking a little bit, he said, hey, I, I want to know, do you have an S on your shirt? for Superman? And Andrew said, no, I don't have an S on my shirt for Superman, but I have an S on my shirt for saved. And Andrew was in that moment just simply able to tell his story. Now, here's the truth. Andrew was inconvenienced that day. I mean, the truthful thing is he could have just given his phone to this girl and said, yeah, call your dad, and I'm going to keep working on my CAC and get it up on my truck, and get ready to go home. But he didn't stop there. He went up, and he allowed himself to be used. And because he allowed himself to be used, because he was willing to serve this girl and serve her in her need, God let him share his story. You know, Pathway Church, I want you to know we, we want to get really serious about learning to serve people. We want to get serious about creating opportunities to watch God work. You know, that, that's something that we can do together. And one of the best ways to connect with people is by serving them. Who doesn't want to be served, right? And there are so many things in our community that people are struggling with. Hardships. And sometimes it's just important for someone to know, hey, you haven't been forgotten. We see you. And you know what? The thing about serving is sometimes the things that we do, they can be so simple that we underestimate them. We, we underestimate what they'll do to someone's heart. I mean, it could be mowing the lawn for someone. It could be taking them a meal. Man, it could be like asking a teacher in a classroom, is there anything I can do to help you? And there can be things that we do that are so simple, but they're so meaningful. And I want to tell you, as we dig into this uh, serving thing, we think about doing it one at a time, one person at a time, one act of service at a time, God is going to use it. 
And we're talking about doing it all across the board. I mean, from the adults to the kids, we want everybody to dig in. And you might be able to do an act of service in your home team. It might be that your family, man, you huddle up and go, we want to do this together. It might be that you do this as an individual. But as you think about this, we want to encourage you to take on whatever God puts on your heart. And if it's something big and you're like looking at it, you're going, man, we want to do it, but the price tag, it's a little high. I want to let you know we as a church are going to set aside $10,000 so we can put it back in your hands so nothing will limit you from doing what God asks you to do. And so if you get together and you see that, we'd love for you to go out to our website and just apply for these funds so that you can get what you need to accomplish what God is calling you to do. And we believe that when we let people know that we care about them, God moves significantly. And sometimes it's hard to know what to do. And so I want to tell you, we've got some door hangers that we are going to talk about here in a moment that you can go around and you can place on people's doors in your neighborhood or wherever God leads you to do that. And they simply ask a question kind of like, what are we not seeing? Are there things in the community? Are there things that you need that we could do to help? Pathway Church, we want people to know that we see them. We want people to know that we're thinking about them. We want people to know that we care about them. And so serving them is one of the ways that we can do that. And I want to tell you this, it's not just about the act of service. It's about the bridge that it can build to a relationship. And so as you go do these things, I want you to think about what you're doing. But more importantly, I want to think about who you're doing it for. How can you care for them? How can you ask them how you might pray for them? How can you love on them? And that's what we're going to do together as we dig into this series. You know, today you may uh, identify yourself as one of the 99, or you might say, you know what? The, the 99, that's really not me. I'm the one that is lost. I want to tell you that God has a plan, a plan in Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross to bring you back to a point where you don't have to be lost, but you can be found, you can be seen, you can be a part of what God has called his family, the church. And so I want to reflect on these two things. And I want to ask everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes as we kind of wrap this up. And I want you to be thinking, first of all, am I willing to go and serve? Am I willing to go and serve so people can experience God's love so they can see my heart for them, that we as a church, a community of believers, we care about the needs of our community, the needs in our neighborhood. And I just wanna say simply, if you're willing to do that, if you're willing to serve, whether that be with your home team, that be with your family, or just as an individual, I want you to raise your hand right now. I don't want you to wait any longer. I want you to raise your hand right now at all of our campuses, if you're watching online, say, I will serve. Just type it right in there. But I want us to make a commitment. Don't think about it, but are you willing to do it? If you're willing to do it, raise your hand. It's just a commitment between you and God. Man, I, I see so many hands, so grateful that we'll do this together. I just want to pray for us as we get ready to go out and serve 
those that need to know that someone sees them. Father, I just pray that you may just uh, allow us to go with your heart, allow us to go with your hands, our feet, and, and carry this message that the people haven't been forgotten. And Lord, that we want to do everything we can to leverage ourselves so that people may experience how awesome you are. And so, Lord, for everyone that's go out and they're, they're going to put door hangers in neighborhoods and places that you call them, I, I just pray, Lord, that you would allow people to be honest about how they need help. And in doing that, Lord, that we would connect well. And so, Father, would you just give everybody great creativity for this? Would you allow us to utilize ourselves in a way that will build your kingdom here in this community in which we live? You know, if everyone has their heads bowed still, I just want to ask this question too before we leave today. Have you been willing yet to recognize that in your being lost, that there is an opportunity for you to be found? I mean, part of it is just the recognition that you're lost and there is a way back it may be that you feel like you've tried to get there before, but I want to tell you, God wants to meet you. He wants to guide you. He wants to show you the way. And in that, he wants you to experience what it means to be forgiven, to be a part of his family. And if you know that's you, and you need to surrender to Jesus today, to give up this place of being lost and to truly today be found, then I want you to pray this prayer with me. Just let me lead you. Pray this in the stillness of your heart. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for this message. And Father, I thank you that, Lord, as I have been lost in myself, I've been lost in my sinful ways, I've been lost trying to live life on my own, that you do have a way out. And I thank you, Father, that you're pursuing me even today in this moment. I feel in my heart and my mind that I need to surrender. And so, Father, I just want to, uh, I want to give up so I can give in to you and allow you to come and rescue me. I want you to bring me back to a place that is safe, a place where I can experience life the way you intended it to be lived. Father, I don't know it all. I haven't figured it all out, but I know enough to know that I'm lost and I'm calling out. So Jesus, would you come and bring me home? You know, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time at any of our campuses, those of you who are watching online, man, I'd love for those at the campus to raise your hand. Raise your hand right now to say, that was me. I prayed the prayer. I was lost, but now I'm found. If you're watching online, you can just type in there, I am found. Knowing that God truly has come in and given you an opportunity to be a part of his family. So grateful for those of you who are willing to accept what only Jesus can do. Man, we welcome you. And so Father, I just pray together with everyone as we make these commitments, Lord, to go out and live in a way that uh, really lets people know that we're here to serve them, that, that we care about them, 
Lord, I pray that you would use that in a powerful way. And Father, I just thank you for the commitments of those that, Lord, truly have come to a point where now they're ready to experience a life only that you offer, Jesus. Thank you that when we were lost, you provided the way for us to be found, the way home. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.